Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. Bet365 has wall-to-wall Premier League football, and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment via live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. Hello, listener. I'm Carl Anker, and welcome to Talk the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This episode, it's a tale of two Brighton games, one easy and not so easy. Joining me as ever is Laurie Whitwell, my fellow Manchester United beat reporter for The Athletic. Laurie, how you doing? I'm good, Carl. I'm, I'm comfortable in my room in the old ship uh, hotel on the Brighton seafront, um, which 10, 15 minute walk from the train station through horizontal wind and very high, strong winds that uh, definitely did for my umbrella that I bought from TK Maxx before the game because I forgot <laughs> to bring an umbrella. I thought I was safe on, on the south coast, but not. But anyway, yeah, safe and sound in a hotel. The man from Manchester getting caught up by the rain on the <laughs> south coast. Who does think it? I know. I wish I was there with you. That way I would hold an umbrella to cover you up, just like Karen with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> also oh. with me, we have editor of United We Stand. He's contributing writer to The Athletic and he makes every Manchester United story I've got better. It's Mr. Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you doing? I'm also in Brighton, Carl, like Laurie, and the rain is really strong. I'm on the seafront. The English Channel is extremely stormy and we all got a soaking walk into the stadium tonight, but can't complain that much because they realise we're lucky to go to the ground. But very happy t- because I've just seen Manchester United win uh, 3-0 and score three goals for the third time in eight days. Three consecutive away wins. So that's lifted spirits a little bit because when we last spoke after the Palace game, um, everyone was a bit down in the dumps. So I'm more optimistic than when we last spoke. I'm all jealous now. One of the rare times we've got two of us in the same city and I'm the one not in Brighton. Anyway, listener, there is plenty of Manchester United writing over on The Athletic right now. We're covering the team's past, present and future. Uh, I've just written about Paul Pogba. Uh, Laurie's written a fantastic piece about the quote-unquote deadwood around European football, including Manchester United and why some need to be shifted. Andy's written a fantastic piece talking to Neil Wood and the under-23s. And we've also got a piece from Adam Crofton, uh, who interviewed Raphael who still loves Manchester United, and I think we still love him too. If you want to read anything on The Athletic right now, access is currently just £1 per month. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up for some of the best Manchester United ring on God's green earth. Not only am I jealous that both of you are together in Brighton, and possibly, well, no, we're recording this after 11, so you can't go for a pint, curfew, curfew, but... You two got to see the fairly easy Brighton game after the chaos I had to watch last week. Oops. So, Manchester United 3, Brighton 0. Really straightforward, wasn't it, Laurie? Yeah, it it looked like it could be another tricky occasion, though, to to begin, really. I mean, I know Brighton made a lot of changes, um, but they they held a lot of possession and were sort of passing it around United with kind of alarming uh, ease, really. And then the, the ball from Mata header from McTominay, um, really, really clinical, really nicely done. You know, I think Matter again showed that in these kind of occasions, he, he does hold the value to United. And he, he sees pictures and 
he has the touch and the guile to, to pull it off. Um, and so that was the difference. And then I think from there, United were able to um, just impose themselves a bit more second half. Uh, obviously took a, a really good save from Dean Henderson again. We spoke after Luton how didn't have much to do, but then came up with the goods when he, when required. I think this one was an even better save. I mean, sort of point blank almost. And, and Trossard must, must be wondering what he has to do to score against United, given he, he hit, the, hit the woodwork, was it four or five times, maybe on his own. I noticed actually Sky Sports held, uh, you know, the stats that they do, and they, and they had a, a new one after that game where, you know, they, they brought out times hit the woodwork, five for Brighton, zero for United. And I was like, I'm sure they've never, ever used that stat before, but listen, uh, it was an unusual game. Um, yeah, from there, I think United, you know, had a bit more composure about them. Lovely play between um, Van der Beek and Mata for the second goal. Obviously, Pogba got a little bit fortunate with the free kick for the third, although we couldn't originally see that up in the stands because it looked like it was a, a precise free a free kick right into the top corner. But I did enjoy the way that um, Mata and Van der Beek linked up. That they've got, you can see they've got an understanding with with how they move. And, and Van der Beek actually shifted out, I think, to the left hand side when uh, Pogba did come on um, originally and, um, and then that was how that, that, th- that second goal was created and then he, he came back into the number 10 when Lingard went on. So I, I asked Solskjaer about that afterwards and he said that he's got that kind of intelligence to play in multiple roles. So I hope that doesn't diminish what he brings to United you know, in, in his best role. You know, Sometimes it can be a jack-of-all-trades but I thought it was a, an encouraging performance from him um, in the end and an encouraging performance from United really it was encouraging loads of really good stand-up performances Donny van der Beek Juan Mata Dean Henderson I quite enjoyed Paul Pogba making me be quiet after I've written a piece about him being not so good Uh, (laughs) Andy I want to turn one to you because I know you've spoken to this man quite often quite a lot of fans were talking about Eric Bailly's performance today what did you see? I think they're right to talk about it I saw a a very good performance I thought he did well against uh, Luton last week um, his, his thing that strikes me is his pace and I feel that his pace doesn't just improve United's defence it improves the whole team because there's times where the midfield has been too ponderous in getting the ball forward to the attackers you've got these lightning quick attackers and United haven't always looked as effective as good as some of the parts um, should be Bailly is he's, he's very strong and I think that his biggest issue has been his injuries and he can occasionally be too rash and that's the doubts which Ollie Gunnar and his coaches have about him. And if they didn't have those doubts, he would have started at the weekend against Brighton in the Premier League and not just in the League Cup. But the more he plays like this, the more stronger his case will come for starting league games. He was the best defender last week and he was the best defender uh, tonight. And while he didn't score the goal, he was charging in with Scott McTominay when Juan Mata delivered that beautiful ball in. And so he was getting in the right positions as well. So I think he is due a decent run in the side, but it's easy to say that. Where's that coming from when Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire played pretty much every single game last season? But I can remember speaking to Eric after the Chelsea game where he played well in February and he talked about being back from injury, being confident and there's been a few that that's happened a few too many times and he needs to not get injured. Not that anyone wants to go out and get injured, but it can it can hinder you. Uh, but no, I thought it was another good night for, for Eric Bay. I thought he was a standout defender. Um 
and it's a clean sheet. So all good for, for him tonight. All good. Through to the next round. Andy, I always use you as my barometer of what is a quote-unquote good season for Manchester United. Would a League Cup win and top four be enough for you this season? Oh, that's an hard one, that. Because the League Cup is its the least prestigious trophy that United are going in for this year. I, I think any, league, any trophy would be definitely a plus, including the League Cup and a good day out at Wembley. Although I'm saying that, we don't even know whether the fans are going to be allowed back and I think a more convincing top four finish than last year and I know United finished third but it was with quite a, a low points total I think if fans see continued improvement continued maturity as the team gets older continued good signings coming in um, like Bruno did and hopefully one more or two more will come in this transfer window I'm sure we'll come and get to talk to that I don't expect United to win the league or finish second. We are seeing some surprise results though, like City losing at home to Leicester. So there might be some surprises, but United need to find the rhythm first because that was a bit of a jolt in that first game against Crystal Palace. And United need to start this season far better than last season because going into sort of the middle of December, the number of wins was nowhere near good enough. And January is pretty awful too. So there's got to be an improvement. United were sixth for most of last season. And I think they've got to be much more convincing and, and be higher up. And then throw in Champions League football and a League Cup if you want. Because City have made that their own. So it would be nice to, to get that uh, trophy back off City. Would it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like and everything at the price you want? Well... Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes you get the clothes you love as simple as possible. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic to set up your profile. And then they will deliver great looks personalized just for you. You'll pay 10 pound styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. You can schedule at any time and there is no subscription whatsoever. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that are right for you. So, if you're interested, you can get started with Stitch Fix today. Go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic. We're recording this on a Wednesday just after the Brighton game. The Champions League draw is going to be made on the Thursday. Uh, what we like to do at The Athletic is at the start every month, Laurie and I look at the fixture list and we try and do divide and conquer as to what games are going to happen. Laurie, at the moment, October looks pretty brutal. Spurs at home, Newcastle away, Chelsea and Arsenal at home. What's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying after today's game? What's his plan for October? I suppose they'll have to rotate, you know. Um, they are big games. I, I mean, I guess that's why he rested so many tonight. You know, if he's, if he's looking at those big home fixtures where you want his, his ideal 11. And, and we know now, don't we, that his 11 is very clear, you know, in the big matches, um, who he's going to pick. Um, so I guess that's why, you know, give him a bit more breathing room. Um, tonight, I mean, Mason Greenwood was out there after the game doing his warm down with um, Timothy Hossumensa and Ted Mengi. Uh, so he's, you know, I suppose got the the rest that he needed um, and to, to keep ticking over. Um, yeah, listen, I, I guess th th those, those three matches, th this month coming up will be a definitive one for United because... Obviously, the transfer window closes um, October the 5th, um, next Monday. Um, so far, Van der Beek's the only signing. And sorry, Van der Beek, I know I keep saying that wrong, Carl. I know you, you've gone and got the pronunciation spot on. Um, and at the moment, I just I just worry that 
that once the Champions League does start and, you know, he's got big matches in, in group stages, six six matches there. The, the, whereas the Europa League last season, United could rotate and still win, still, still pick up enough points to go through. And it was a very good tournament to be in for the development of a lot of young players. The Champions League's a diff, different kettle of fish. And I, I think really you need to be having a, a good quality squad depth there. Uh, and at the moment, Van der Beek, it's not quite enough, is it? So that, that's what I, I sort of wonder about going into the next month. And I know that's what Solskjaer's looking at and thinking, you know, can we strengthen? You've mentioned the transfer window there. So uh, as is Talk of the Devil's contractual law, we now have to go straight into the Jaden Sancho section. Right then. What's happening next, Laurie? Yeah, Sancho. Um, listen, it's the one that we've spoken about so much, isn't it? Um, the one that Solskjaer wanted in as soon as Champions League qualification was assured. United say that the slow progress is because Dortmund have, have asked for uh, intermediaries to do the negotiations on their behalf, so that that you know Dortmund can perhaps have this um, you know consistency in what they're saying, where there's been no deadline beyond August, no, no negotiations beyond the August tenth deadline. I would argue, can United not just go direct? Can Edward Wood not call up Michael Zorc, for example, and say this is our offer, take it or leave it, uh, and then move on if if they don't? It's, it's been kind of drawn out to the point where now I get the feeling that it's going to be similar to the January window uh, where, you know, United were looking to strengthen in a, in a department that they wanted. And, and in the end, they got Odio Nogalo, you know, on deadline day. Uh, or even last summer where Mario Mandzukic and Paulo Dybala were, were being discussed, you know, right up to deadline. I get that feeling that, you know, Sancho, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. And, then therefore that will mean that United now switch attentions or, or you know end up switching attentions to uh, somebody who is perhaps a stopgap or you know a kind of a makeshift. It could be a big name, but it could be coming at a decent level of cost. But um, it won't be the the primary target that United are looking for. That that's just sort of my, my gut feeling at the moment. Listen, negotiations are still ongoing. Uh, reports of a, of a bid. Um, you know, totalling up to £90 million. Um, I'm led to believe that that isn't quite the case because, you know, as negotiations go on, it will be a, a situation where United might say, this is what we're prepared to offer, you know, and, and talks are on that basis. So, you know, by strict definition, is that a bid? I suppose it could be regarded as semantics. So um, clearly United have put forth, you know, a significant amount of money for a player. And I, I think that's probably about right, you know, £90 million all told, because there is a gap between what United value him at and what Borussia Dortmund uh, value him at. You know, United are, are making exceptions there for COVID and, and the um, the impact that that will have on finances. So there is a, a clear gap in valuations, but uh, and that and that means to me, for, for a scale of transfer this this level, is that really going to happen in you know five six days now? That that's what gives me the doubts. Andy, do you want to step in here? I know you're the man who is the master of the plan B. You've been talking about many other prospective targets of Manchester United right now. But uh, yeah, if Manchester United don't pay the money for Jadon Sancho, who else could come in? Usame Dembele, who, the, the French winger who's been at Barcelona. It's quite interesting, this one, because when I asked last week um, at the Catalan end um, and at the United end, it was definite... Uh, no, we don't want to sell him, but Barca have got big financial problems. As I understand at the moment, 
United have had talks with Barca about Dembele. United would like to loan the player. Um, and this, I would assume, is if Sancho doesn't come off. Barca would like to sell the player for a lot of money to ease their financial burden. Uh, we'll go back and try and get more information on this, but that is how I understand the situation at the moment. Barca, but re reluctant to loan, uh, but more amenable to sell for a lot of money. They paid well over 100 million euros for Dembele from Borussia Dortmund. I've probably seen him play live 40, 50 times. And he's exceptionally good when he's fit and he's fast and he's on the game and he can beat players and he can play across the front three, mainly plays on the right for Barca. He's had a couple of pretty serious injuries. Uh, the hamstring one was a, a, a serious one. And there were a few question marks about his lifestyle. Not in a, he's going out all night and doing bad things, more than, you know, he was gaming and uh, he was turning up for training, um, sometimes a little bit too late. So Barca were worried about him because they felt they had a lifestyle of like a 14-year-old at one point. So for a time, he lived with um, uh, Eric Abidal, um, his compatriot, who would become Barca's sporting director. And would I say that Dembele is... is fulfilled his, his potential at Barca and all the fans are happy with him not really but on his day he's a fantastic player to watch and a type of player that this Manchester United team would want could I see Barca loaning him Poof. Barca when Felipe Coutinho wasn't figuring um, they they loaned him with some reluctance to Bayern Munich so they have gone down that path before and their financial issues are definitely pressing. And playing to that, that Ansu Fati, the young forward, has had a really good start to the season. So you can see why these negotiations are going on. It'll be nice to see, be interesting to see when we do the next podcast, how it has all played out. Because we've Sancho, Sancho, Sancho did it for so long. And now other players are coming to the fore. I'd mentioned Coman, not a chance I can see that happening since... Um, scoring the winning goal in the European Cup final for Bayern, Bayern letting other players go in that position. And I think United have left it very late. So I don't think that is always a good thing. And we've seen in the past uh, buys that uh, 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 struck me as being panic buys, even though they're always welcomed. I think any player is welcomed because he's a new player and there's a, fl a flush of enthusiasm. Uh, but I hope United don't panic again. Would you take him, yes or no, Laurie? Well, I think I'd probably say no, to be honest. I just think that at this stage in the game, you know, United do want a right winger, but for the um, for the cost and, and for the kind of uncertainty, I suppose, that he would bring, is, is it really what they want to do? I could see it happening, as Andy's said, you know, alone as a stopgap. And, and maybe, you know, you could frame that in such a way that it's not a bad you know, thing. You know, he has had some great success for Dortmund. Um, there's obviously a player in there, but I just feel like it wouldn't fit really with what United are trying to do, and it would it would look like a, you know, end of the window. Let's see what's out there. Okay, yeah, we can do this deal. Let's get him in. It, it's a body in a position that we want. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't strike me with great confidence, um, and that that really does sort of reflect 
you know, you look at Gary Neville's tweet um, that he put out, you know, this morning, so Wednesday morning, um, and when he called it appalling that United have failed to do certain transfers in a market which he called probably the easiest in Premier League history. Um, you know, he said United need a centre-back, a left-back and a forward pre-deadline. I mean, we know that the left-back could well be Alex Tellez. Um, talks are continuing with Porto over, over that one. And again, I could see that one perhaps happening. And that might be a you know a boost for United in, in that position, albeit Luke Shaw's, I think, sort of started the season fairly well apart from, you know, defensively. Uh, against Palace, that that first goal was was poor, but um, but yeah, I, I just, it, it's it's that the, the, I think Neville's tweet probably encapsulates um, a little bit of the frustration that's that's happened. And United will say that they're, they're in a different market due to COVID, and, and they have to be sensible. But they do have the money. It's it's you know they've got this commercial might, and it's not you know long ago that Solskjaer was talking about exploiting the market, which I think Neville must be referring to in terms of the easiest market to do deals in. Um, because certainly, you know, we weren't thinking that this was going to be a market where there'd be loads of deals. But actually, it's, it's turned out that, you know, Spurs have, have done a lot of signings. Liverpool have acted again, you know, with, with sharpness in the market and with, with a kind of clear vision that you, you, you don't quite see from the way that United go about their business. Um, so, for example, Ishmael Assar, they obviously looked at him. This, you know, decided he was too expensive. Diogo Yota was signed pretty much like you know the next day. It felt so quick, um, and and he obviously got off the ground running with a with a goal against Arsenal. Ismail Assar is one that you know a couple of weeks ago United were were downplaying. So you know sources close to the club were suggesting that that wasn't one for them. Again, I think the finances involved that Watford are asking for you know perhaps forty million pounds for him, not one that they wanted to do at that price. But now alone you know it has been you know called credible you know at this stage of the game so we'll see um you know Lukic is another one that's been linked um I, I would imagine that talks again have been held I think at this stage now agents are proposing a lot of players to the club to suggest you know we know that you've not done deals in certain positions that you want yet hey you know how about my client um I wouldn't be surprised to see Jovic go to Roma though for example um, I know he's not had a great time at Real Madrid, um, so you know I, I don't know how, um, how how good he would be for United anyway. And, and Edison Cavani is another one that's been mentioned. He's a free agent, so listen, he could come after the window if, if United really did need something. But you know he's 33. Um, you know his his body is wearing. I think if you listen to people that um, watch Paris Saint Germain frequently. Uh, and he would cost a lot of money. He, he's, I think, he's after more than you know a one, two-year contract. So, for a 33-year-old, you know, do United really want to be going down that route? So, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, I think that's why Gary Neville tweeted um, because he, he can see that that it feels a bit more frantic again. It does, it feel considered and um, composed, you know, as we, we perhaps hoped it would be at the start of the winter. Harry's sponsors Talk of the Devils podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Harry knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. There's a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. So if you're in the middle of lockdown and your beard isn't quite the way you want it, I'd recommend getting a bit of Harry's. 
And the great news is, as a listener of Talk of Devils podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and you can get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, a five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash talkofthedevils right now. That's harrys.com slash talkofthedevils. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Andy, I know you've got a story about Cavani and Manchester United, don't you? Well, United tried to sign him in 2013. And my source on that was uh, Diego Forlan. And... (laughs) Wasn't a bad source. He wasn't going to lie to me. So I half expected it to go through. I wasn't privy to the negotiations. And then I went to the World Cup, 2014 it was. And I saw someone from Manchester United there said, what what's happening with Cavani? And they said, to say that his demands were excessive is to be putting it lightly. Not only did he want to be the best paid player at the club, I think he wanted Old Trafford to be named after as well. So obviously he was joking. But the inference was there was that you know, he wanted an absolute fortune. And then I I went to PSG that season, um, spoke to him a little bit because I knew I knew Forlan, but nothing, you know, nothing beyond the fact that he was seemed to be happy unhappy all the time at PSG because Latam was was the main man. Look, he's a top player. Is he a top player now? I don't know. I've not seen him. I don't think he's played a huge amount of football. Pretty much like Luka Jovic. I mean, he wasn't scoring, but to be fair to him, he was lucky if he came off the bench for for Real Madrid. If Cavani signed, best case scenario is that he has that uh, Zlatan-like flourish towards the end of his season, um, career, although Zlatan carries on playing and playing. Uh, I'd, I'd need to do my background on him and the person I will go straight to is Mr Fallout and say look is he still playing and you might get an on the record version and an off the record version that signing if it came off would be I think a lot of fans wouldn't wouldn't buy into it too much because it'd be seen as being desperate and against as Laurie was saying what United seem to be standing for and the type of players they're going for at the moment Who would you take Carl? Would you take any of them? <laughs> No, I would very much say you need to get defensive midfielder first because you need to sort out Paul Pogba. I'd also like to find out what's going on with Alex <clears throat> Telis. Was that it, yeah. Andy? Telis, yeah. We're going to loop back to what Gary Neville just said about it should, in theory, be the easiest transfer window. I disagree a little bit because of COVID, but according to a poll just conducted by The Athletic and an article that's going to be live on the website by the time you'll listen to this, dear reader, Manchester United are the biggest team in England. Hooray! Uh, yes, according to our readers, Manchester United is still a big draw for all the fans. Unsurprisingly, Manchester United are the be- biggest team in England. Liverpool are in second, Chelsea third, Arsenal fourth, and Manchester City fifth. Uh, we rank this by checking out fan attendances, global fan bases, major trophies, trophies won in the last 20 years, and the average league finish. So, Manchester United... Biggest club in England, at least in like metrics and stuff. Uh, Andy, I want to give this to you first because you've been watching Manchester United longer than I was born. 
So uh, do you think Manchester United in 2020 are still a big draw for players and agents? Yeah, I mean, that's like saying that ice cream's cold, isn't it? Of course Manchester United <laughs> are the biggest team in England. Even when Manchester United were in the second division, they were the best supported team in the country with average crowds of 48,000. I've long maintained that it's United and Liverpool are a lot, lot bigger than the rest. And if you look at the club's international support, or the Scandinavians are really interested in barometer. You've got Liverpool have got 46,000 paid up members, slightly bigger than United, they're about 44 at the moment. And then there's a huge drop off to like 12, 13,000 to your Chelsea's, Arsenal's, and then another drop off to, to Manchester City. Liverpool have won the European Cups. United have won the 20 league titles. Liverpool have won 18. Did they win it last year? Are we having that one? They, they won the 19th <laughs> one this year. And I think those two clubs have got their histories tinged with tragedy as well. Um, they've got the, the countrywide and international support. And you know, who would have pretenders to the throne? Chelsea and, and City, while they've been big at previous times in the, in the history. Um, that their current success is is quite current. Um, Tottenham don't win trophies. Arsenal at the moment, but they've also. Uh, I think their stadium move hasn't worked out as the more optimistic Arsenal fans might have hoped. So yeah, of course United are are, are attractive to players that they've got the second highest wage bill in world football. So from a monetary perspective, it's definitely attractive. Manchester's a much improved city. Footballers like Manchester because. They can concentrate on the football there. There's, the weather is a, a good blessing and a curse for, for Manchester. A, a complaint I often hear from foreign players is they can't believe it goes dark at four o'clock in the winter. That comes up time and time again in interviews. But people like like the city and they like the stability of playing for Manchester United because compared to other clubs where there are even more frequent changes of manager, United is a well-run club and players like playing there. So... Yeah, United are the biggest club. And I, I actually think that most City fans would admit that as well. And I think Liverpool fans would also admit that as well. I know Liverpool are the champions. I know they've got a great team at the moment. Um, but I don't think it's particularly controversial to say Manchester United are the biggest uh, British club. Laurie, it's Spurs next. It's Mourinho next. Who do you think is going to start? I think we'll probably have the usual 11, won't we? Um... I agree with Andy and yourself on Eric Bailly. Have I said it right there? I always say Bailey. I know he's been a player for United for you know four years now, but um, I always say Bailey. But um, uh, and as an aside to that, I know you mentioned uh, Alex Talise before, but my brother-in-law won't uh, forgive me if I don't mention him. He's Portuguese, so I said, "Oh, how how do you pronounce it?" And he said, uh, "Alex Telesh." Uh, so I suppose the Portuguese have a slightly different pronunciation than, than the Brazilians, but you know we, we need to go with the Brazilians, don't we? Because that's obviously his, his nationality. But anyway, sorry, digress. <laughs> I, think, I think Lindelof will still start. I think De Gea will still start, even though I think Henderson and, and Bay are pushing both of those for, for starts. And then you've got Greenwood, Marshall, Rashford, um, you know Pogba, Bruno, uh, Matic. Uh, I would like to see Van der Beek start soon, and I wonder if away at Newcastle might be that game. But I think at home to Spurs, uh, it's, it'll be the team that I guess finished the game against Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, that you know that kind of ramped it up. Um, you know, first game after lockdown. Um, that, that's who I would expect. And I'll tell you what else I'm, I'm enjoying. Um, I'm enjoying Solskjaer and Mourinho's 
uh, well, it's mainly coming from Solskjaer, isn't it? The little barbs that they're having. Um, and I think the first one was, was with his interview with you, wasn't it, Andy, where he mentioned the, the dressing rooms at Old Trafford, Solskjaer. Um, mm. Yeah. A little, yeah. And then, yeah. And then he's, he's kind of gone on to talk about, you know, the goalposts and then, you know, Spurs getting through in the in the Carabao Cup, you know, without having to play a game. You know, I, I quite, and, and Jose had a bit of a pop, but I quite like it, you know, a little bit of needle. Yeah, a bit of spikiness. I think he was joking when he said that Jose had come and complained about the size of the dressing rooms at Old Trafford. But if you read it black and white, it didn't seem like he was joking. But the, the way it was said to me, um, I think Ollie was being light-hearted, but there's, there's a bit of edge there now. And it's not a bad thing to have edge, is it? It drives people on to... To, to succeed more and it's a side we don't always see of Ole Gunnar I don't think any United fans have got any complaints about it oh no it's one of the, my favourite photos of Ole so far is when he's patting Mr Mourinho on the head <laughs> that, 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 that was the man who went oh yeah he is Manchester United manager that's nice right then listeners we're going to wrap this up because it's quite late and both of these gentlemen need to get to bed thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Talker Levels thank you to Laurie thanks Carl thanks Andy and thanks to Andy. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Laurie. We'll be back sometime next week. It will be Laurie covering the Tottenham Hotspur game, but I will be still writing many things, and he'll be writing other fantastic things. But other than that, uh, we'll see you sometime next week. Thanks for listening. This has been Talk of Devils, a Manchester United podcast brought to you from The Athletic. <laughs>